So we are in the middle of a series where we are going through a single verse for four weeks. And uh, it's the verse that maybe many of you have heard before, uh, where it says, um, where Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, I did not give you a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. And so last week, uh, if you haven't listened to it, you should. It's, uh, we talked about how this all stems from a sincere faith and we have to trust Jesus and uh, that was, that's, I'm going to be building on that a lot. So if you haven't listened to that sermon, you should probably go back and listen to it. But what we thought we'd do is spend a whole month on this. Uh, the first, talking about the difference, last week, talking to the, the difference between fear and, and faith, timidity and, and faith. But then the next few weeks, we want to look at power and love and self-discipline. Uh, Paul describes the spirit-filled life as, uh, as those three things. And so today I get to talk about power. I get to talk about the first one. And it's been, an interesting, uh, it's been an interesting time wrestling through what, what does Paul mean by power and why do we get to have some or do we have it or is it the spirit or is it us? And I don't know, it's just you read these verses a bunch and you get to stop and think about one word for a week and it's like, okay, what, is, what does power actually mean and why do we get to have some? So it's been cool. Um, as I was thinking about power, I think I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with it. Uh, I don't know, this is just me, but... I, I have this thing where every time I go to like, especially a wedding, like a public, like a, like a fancy thing where I'm sitting in the audience, every single time, mostly weddings, sometimes funerals also, where I have this weird feeling, <laughs> maybe I'm just, I don't know, maybe this is messed up, but I have this weird feeling where it's like, I could ruin everything right now. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys have that feeling where it's like, I could stand up and say a really weird thing I could make a noise. I could ruin someone's wedding. I have so much power right now. Is this just me? Like every time I like grip, I like, I have once, once per wedding, I have to just grip, just, I don't know why. It's so weird. Um, but it's like the power just goes to my head for a second. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. But uh, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I, as I've been wrestling through, it's just kind of a dangerous thing, power. It has a lot, of, uh, a lot of potential, I guess would be a word. And so the question that I'd want to ask you is, like, do you, do you want power? Like, what's your relationship to it? Do you like having power in situations? It's a very loaded word in some ways. And so it'd be interesting to talk about this morning. Do you want power? Um, sometimes when I hear the word power, I, I, it kind of conjures a negative connotation in my mind. Like, oh, that means that equals hurt. And I kind of make this little jump in my head maybe for good reasons, from past experiences or things like that. But you can flip power on its head and talk about all the things that it can accomplish. And so I kind of made a little list. So maybe you don't enjoy power. Maybe that's not something you're like, oh man, I just love having power. I love having all those things. But do you enjoy safety? Well, that's an interesting way of looking at power. I think, um, well, to keep using the wedding analogy, uh, got to MC Mark and Rachel's wedding couple weeks ago. That's some power at <laughs> a wedding. And I think the whole, my, my like MC at a wedding philosophy is make everybody feel safe. It's not about you. Be invisible. Use your power for good and just like get out of the way. But it's the same thing. Like I can ruin everything. And uh, I hope I didn't. <laughs> I really tried not to. Okay, cool. Very safe. But that's why you'd give someone power in that scenario, in a very special moment, is you are, you're going to make this moment feel safe. This is what I'm hoping. 
That's what I'm hoping you will do. Use your power to make us all feel safe. So what about like rescue or order or justice or peace or harmony or all of these things that we love are very closely tied to who's in charge and who gets to assert their will and dominance in a moment. So the who is kind of the important question, which we'll get to. So when I think about these words, safety, rescue, order, justice, peace, harmony, God's spirit is doing these things. This is where he's going. This is what he's up to, thankfully. I'm really glad that that's his agenda. And uh, it's very... Uh, I, I'm trying to think about the right word, and it's, uh, this is the word I thought of, and it's, it has a lot of other connotations to it, but think about it in the most pure form of the word. It's disturbing. Like, it disturbs what's currently happening. Like, it's, there's something going on, and it's like, no, no, I'm going to inject justice and peace and harmony and right relate. Like, it disturbs sometimes where things naturally go. It disturbs natural decay, which is great news, and I'm really glad like, I'm really glad that the gospel and the spirit of God has the power to change things and to turn things on its head and redeem them and restore them. So that's all well and good. It's like, okay, great. I'm so glad the spirit of God does that. What great news. I'm so glad he's into the whole peace, justice, love, harmony thing. But then it gets a little tricky because he gives us uh, that, like he, he uses us to do it, and the this, this Spirit of God is in you, and I'm giving you this Spirit. I was like, okay, well now, that's different. I'm okay with God having all this power, but now the Spirit of God actually has to work through you and me, and it gets a little complicated. And so what I want to do, well, here's, here's just a question kind of to set the stage, is how do you feel about the Spirit giving you power to do those things? Better yet, how do you feel about the Spirit giving other people power to do those things? Now it's a little trickier. And uh, I want to unpack why I'm actually grateful for that, too. So kind of what I want to do is uh, there's this, we have this idea that the Spirit of God is doing something really beautiful and, and, and restorative, which he is. And then now he is, wants to use his church to do it, and it gets way messier somehow. So I kind of want to look at a couple words and kind of think about like, oh, it's great that God does this, but then when it actually gets hashed out in real life, it kind of looks like this. And what I want to do like, is I want to put just a funny picture up that I really, really liked for a really long time. So you can put that up. Just check this out. What I feel like when I run, what I'm pretty sure I look like <laughs> when I run. Do you know what I'm saying? This is like, that's what I think is going on, and it's like, oh, it's a little more awkward in real life. Don't, we, don't you kind of, that's just life right there behind you. And uh, I just love her face. I don't know what she's holding. It's like bubbles or something. <laughs> Did I get you, Mitch? Yeah, I like making Mitch laugh. It's one of my favorite things. Um, I don't know. It's so awkward. So, I don't know. Go back to the title or something. It's going to be distracting for everybody. <laughs> but here's what, I, here's what I'm thinking. Is we're okay with God making progress. Right? It's like, oh, progress. Amazing. Um, what was the term I used? Oh, yeah, so progress. What it looks like in real life is uncomfortable change. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the way it kind of translates when people are trying to do it. What's another one? I have three. Oh, yeah, restoration. He's restoring things. He's, he's bringing, I don't know, he's restoring stuff. And then that gets hashed out in real life, and it's just awkward situations. 
<laughs> just awkward talks and tension. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, we start doing it, and it looks a little different. I have one more. Um, I'm getting happy birthday texts on my iPad, like, constantly. I should have I airplane mode. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, redemption. Redemption. I love redemption. All about it. Uh, and then it kind of looks like pain. <laughs> like it looks, it's painful. Because yeah. it's, of course, like it's just, it was always going to be. But I'm, I, want, I want redemption, but I don't want pain. <laughs> and then we get caught in this place. So, uh, question for you. Are you annoyed or frustrated by the ways that God's power actually gets hashed out in and amongst us as the church. Is that annoying to you? Is it frustrating? Does church and family and relationships, do they feel like uncomfortable change? Does it feel painful? Does it feel annoying? Does it feel frustrating? Does it feel unnecessary? Does it feel awkward? Uh, It certainly does for me. But the question I've had to ask myself is, is it worth it? Like, is it worth it? Which is the main thing I've been wrestling with. Is trying to have a better idea and a better view of the power that God has to restore and redeem this world, is it worth it to try to figure out how to hash that out? Is it worth it to live in the tension of all those things? I would argue that it is for kind of one main reason. And you could put Ephesians, Ephesians 2 up there. Mainly, this is why. This is why I feel like it's worth it. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. She says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The spirit is at work in those who are disobedient because we were dead, like we were dead in our sins. And so there's one way of looking at all these things of like, oh, there's just a bunch of tension between this stuff, and I wish God would have a cleaner system, and oh, why does it have to be so tricky? I'm going to get to why in a second. But what I want to start with is we were dead, and God's power came into this world and rescued us. And you want to talk about an awkward, painful situation? Like read the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Like that was a messy, painful, awkward, feels like an understatement situation. And yet God's like, oh no, no, I'm so committed to the restoration. And like, you need my power. You need it. You are dead. So here's what I'm going to do. It's going to be really messy, but watch me Watch me enter into this world, not just from on high, like over here, I'm going to fix it with my magic powers. I'm going to enter into the mess of all that and use my power. And it's like, like watch me enter into the mess of this world. Like that's power, hey? Magic, magic from afar is way less powerful than God actually entering in and redeeming it from the inside. And then now he invites us to do it, and he gives us the same spirit. And it's like, oh, man, I wish I could just wave my fingers from somewhere distant. So, question is, um, you know, with the whole, is it worth a question? Is it worth it to wrestle with how God's power actually changes this world? I don't know, it's kind of, I think it's important just to go, have you looked around? Like, God, like, his power is needed. 
like it's needed in this place. I do a pretty good job of tricking myself into thinking that everything's okay, mostly because I don't really like the awkwardness of it all. And then if I stop and go, oh, what if, uh, oh, what if we're, what if we're dead in our sin? And what if the only hope is the power of the gospel? And I let that sit in my heart for a second. I'm like, oh, wow. Wow. It'd be very tricky. It'd be, it'd be very easy, sorry, to just placate the crisis and uh, not need any power, which is a freaky, freaky thought. And what I'm scared of, you guys, what I'm scared of is, um, I'll just read the verse. This is the verse I'm scared of for Christendom in our culture. Christianity in our culture. It's 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. I'm going to use the New Living Translation. Uh, It's talking about the end of the age and the people not to associate with. This is Paul saying, don't associate with these people. And this is part of the list. They, the people you shouldn't associate with, will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And this is, oh man, this this is me so often. Because I'll go, uh, I'll act religious, and then there's something about the power that God gives us in his spirit that makes us godly. And he's like, why did you think that, that my spirit wasn't going to lead you in the same direction as me when I was on, like Jesus speaking, when I was on this? Do you, you see where I was going? Like, I'm, I'm giving you that same spirit. It's actually me inside you. So <laughs> this is where I'm going. And this is the power that makes you godly. It's me. It's not your actions. It's not your ability to go, sometimes I'm going to be religious, and then, you know, sometimes I'm going to really get into the meat of it, and then I'm going to go, like, you know, repair myself. And this whole thing is all about you. It's like, no, no, I'm doing this, and this is the spirit I've given you. This is the spirit that now lives in you. And so uh, a form of godliness, that's what another translation says, there's a form of godliness that doesn't actually need God's spirit. It doesn't need his personhood inside of us, leading us and loving us. And that scares me a little bit. So we're beginning to see why God would actually give us his power to execute his will and hopes for this world. So this is what I, when I hear the word power, maybe this would be a helpful word for you. Uh, it's kind of one of the ways I've been processing it this week is when I think about power, I think a lot about responsibility. And I'm sorry for the Uncle Ben Spider-Man quote, so overused. But it really is true that, uh, that you know, where great power exists, there's a certain level of responsibility that's, that comes with that. And so responsibility is not like the funnest word ever. We don't like that. But what if God would say, I'm going to give you my power because I want you to understand something of the responsibility that you have to this world and to be the church because I'm, Jesus speaking, the Spirit speaking, I'm taking responsibility for the mess of this world. So Jesus said, I'm, I'm taking responsibility. This is my problem. Like we caused it all and he's going, no, no, no. I'm taking responsibility and I'm going to do something about it. And the, of course, the way that Jesus exudes his power is the most beautiful, humble, Maybe we should read Philippians 2 at some point this morning. But just this idea that like he considered himself nothing for the sake of 
just obeying his father, and he considered equality with God not something to be grasped or to use to his own advantage, but he just laid his life down and was obedient to death on a cross. So just to be clear, power is not, I'm going to work something up. That's the way that power actually is executed. But there's this moment where he goes, I'm, <laughs> he knew that that was the past too. And he's going, no, I'm taking responsibility for the, I want to I see this world redeemed and restored to me. And then he says, hey, I've got great news for you. Uh, why don't you have that same responsibility? Do you want to share in that responsibility with me? And what I think that does is there's a beautiful word that I think also could be a synonym for responsibility, and it's called purpose. It's called purpose, maybe significance. And all of a sudden, this what seems like awkward situations and tension and pain goes, oh, wow, like I have a purpose. Not just some purpose that's ranking with all the other purposes, and this one's slightly better. It's like, no, it was the one you were designed to have. And it's not a stretch to say you were literally created to have this purpose, for the Spirit of God to live in you and to make you whole and to love you unconditionally and give you a purpose that pulls you out of all the things that ensnare us. That's literally why you're here and created. It's not an option. <laughs> it's, it's, your, it's your basic design. So, uh, I'm pretty committed to this personally, and I'm also really committed to this being the plan for our family as well. Uh, it would be a very, very messed up thing to not give the church any responsibility. How, how mean is that? It feels very mean. So when Matt's up here talking about Degerbleeders meetings and stuff, it's all cute and we got funny logos and different names, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, what we sit and talk about in staff meetings is do our people know how important they are? Come on. Like, do our people need the Spirit of God in them? Or are we going to skip them? Or are we just going to skip? It's tempting, by the way. But how... <laughs> we're no longer the church otherwise. If the Spirit of God isn't living in us and drawing us into His plans and purposes, I'm not sure what we are. And so, uh, I want to wrestle with what it looks like to have the Spirit of God use His power through you so that we can understand how much purpose we really have. What a gift. I want to read uh, 2 Timothy 1, 8-10. to 10. It says this, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. This is kind of funny, hey? It's like, I'm giving you power to suffer. Congratulations. Uh, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So, God does a very funny thing. Uh, he says, I know you're afraid. I know you're afraid. Uh, go change the world. <laughs> like, that's not the thing that I would do. If he says, um, yeah, I know that this is, this is, I know that there's fears. I know that this transition of my spirit working through you and to actually, like, make a difference in this world, I know that's really, really scary, but I don't have a better plan because I want you to know me and I want you to walk with me. And I love what Tara said this morning in the song we sang. Um, can we, talk, can, we, can we see this tension of his power at work through us as a, as, a, as a desire for God to want to be with us and walk with us every day? Like, what a beautiful way of viewing that. 
I can't promise you that it's ever going to get easier or less awkward. I can promise you that that's what he's doing, and he's going to be with you as you do it. That's a way better promise. I don't want to be promised that it's going to work. I want to be promised that I'm going to be with who I've designed to be with. That's pretty neat. So what I feel like we do a lot of the time, and I'm so guilty of this, is we just make our world really, really small, and to have it require less and less power, and that what we wind up with is just good old-fashioned religion. I'm not really interested in it. Defining religion as, you know, wanting all the benefits of God with none of the responsibility. And this is what Jesus is so frustrated with, with the Pharisees, right? It's like, you missed the whole thing. You, 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 you're using me, <laughs> you're using God to climb something. And that's not what he's doing, and not, that's not what his spirit is doing. And so... Uh, Instead, Jesus goes, well, I'm going to be over here redeeming and restoring and living in the mess because uh, that's the best news for you, Pharisees. So uh, I have an invitation for you this morning. I'm going to unpack why this, is, why this is the invitation. But I want to invite you to join something bigger than you today. And here's why. Uh, joining something bigger than you is a really great catch-all for wrestling through how power works. Because you don't go somewhere or accomplish something without leaders. And the announcement this morning is great. We're going, okay, how do we build leaders? And leaders is the cute word that no one disagrees with. What we're really thinking about is like, okay, how does the Spirit of God give our people power to walk out the gospel wherever they are. And we call it leadership development because that's way less scary than being spirit-empowered <laughs> to go, I don't know, make a mess somewhere in Jesus' name and get in lives and believe for things in the darkest of moments. And uh, I love that. And so our church and where our family's going is way bigger than you. It just is. And that's a beautiful gift because it's just beyond you and it's beyond me. <laughs> it's beyond me to go, oh, the problems we've picked really require the Holy Spirit's power. Yeah. <laughs> like we've, we've picked some really big problems. Yeah. My favorite one is uh, how do we multiply disciples? It's the first thing you see when you come in here at the top of the banner. I have no idea how to do that. Like, I, I know how. I can read about how. I, that's a really big goal. It's a very scary problem. Actual multiplication. Wow. Okay, well, it looks like we need a miracle. Looks like we need God's spirit. Um, looks like we don't have any room for fear. So, I get why. I get why we have a tough relationship with power, because many of us have been hurt by people who use their powers not in the way that Jesus did, not in the Philippians 2 kind of way. And for that, I'm so sorry. But I don't think the solution is just to flatten everything and push down all the people trying to fight for faith. You ever have people in your life trying to fight for faith and you're like, just shut up. <laughs> I'm enjoying my religion right now. You ever had that? Man, I felt like that uh, going to the Every Nation Go conference a bunch. And the first night, I'm like, oh, they're going to talk about changing the world again. <laughs> And it's going to be huge, and it's going to be every nation. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
And then at the end of the day, I'm like so grateful. Yeah. Like I'm so grateful. If I ever get a chance to share at anything large in the every nation world ever one day, 25 years from now, um, I want to thank, if they're still alive, the founders <laughs> and just the people who have been leading in it for a long time in our denomination for not uh, softening like what they're hoping for. They just have never softened it. And I have to wrestle with it every time they say it. And it's so good because I'm like, oh, I want to follow you. I don't know why because that's really scary. And I know that's going to cost me a ton. But I believe you. <laughs> and I'm grateful to you, actually, that you would give us a problem that requires Jesus and the Spirit. So instead of flattening and telling all the people who are fighting for faith to just kind of keep it down and be reasonable, which is a huge temptation of mine, I'd like to redeem the source of the power. Don't wish it didn't exist. Let's find the real source of it. Let's redeem it. The irony of, uh, the irony of trying to flatten power and squish it all is you just create more sources because nothing actually gets accomplished without people asserting themselves and trying to accomplish their own will. So the irony of trying to make sure there's no power dynamics anywhere is you just create more. <laughs> and it's way less safe and it's chaos. But there's no one to point at to really blame, so I guess that's kind of better. But not really. You should create a whole bunch more problems. So instead, what I'd like to do as a church is go, okay, where's the spirit going? And could we be, be a people that count on a spirit-filled life to give us power? Because I trust him. I trust him to take us places. I trust him to have the power to actually accomplish things. So let's redeem it. So um, I think that the Holy Spirit would say to us this morning, I know power is scary, and I know there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable about it. So here's mine. Here's my power, and it's way better. And I invite you to trust me. So he's the better source. So what I'd like to do this morning as an invitation is I think that God would want to show you how good he is and how powerful his spirit is uh, in how we live our life. We call this series The Spirit-Filled Life Intentionally because it's not about just being spirit-filled in a moment, although those are really, really important. You're noticing that the spirit-filled life is like, okay, how do we actually operate out of convictions and not out of feelings? And I think we have every reason to have really strong convictions about what the Spirit is capable of doing. And what would it look like to be a family who operates out of the conviction that the Spirit is going to do a thing, like He's going to do a thing in this moment? I, uh, I've started to really love, this is what I'll wrap up with, but I've started to really love um, being in uh, D-group situations with believers and non-believers together. It's like my new favorite thing. Because it takes a ton of faith for me to believe that the Spirit's doing, like I don't have to create two different moments. That was actually a big wrestle. And, uh, but what I've discovered is that um, this, uh, what I think about in those moments is I think and I pray, and I go, what is the Spirit doing in all of us? Yeah. How, what, what is the, what, what, if I didn't have any fears, <laughs> what would I do? Oh, I'd be myself, and I'd be vulnerable, and I'd be authentic, and I would just pray a lot, and I would, I've learned so much. I've learned so much. So whatever the moment you find yourself in, 
Maybe it's moments with family members. Maybe it's moments at work. Maybe it's moments in outreach. Maybe it's moments where even just here in this room. And I invite you to be spirit-filled and to believe like, no, God can use me and his power is at work in me. And Acts says the Holy Spirit came on them and gave them power to accomplish things, like real things, accomplish real things, change real things, redeem real situations, restore real relationships. And that's what I want to do with you guys. That'd be so much fun. And I think that's what family tries to do together. So I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'd like to pray for us. Lord, this morning, uh, we don't want to make our world nice and small and containable. Uh, we want to, we want you to open our eyes and show us what you're capable of doing. And God, I don't think this morning you're over-promising to us some kind of destination or I don't think you're promising to us some kind of, you know, picture of like, this is what it's going to be like. I, I think you're promising us yourself and you're promising us your spirit to be with us. And at the end of the day, Father, that is what we're hoping for. That is what we long for. That is what we're shooting for. And so, Father, I pray that this morning you would fill us with your spirit. I'm so looking forward to the next weeks of chewing on what love looks like in this way and what self-discipline and all these things look like. But, Father, uh, this morning we want to be re-reminded of how strong you are and of how powerful you are. And I pray that as we do, we would begin to look at our world through your eyes. Father, would you give us your eyes? Would you give us the eyes of your spirit to see what you're doing in a situation? And I pray that as we do, Lord, would we experience a closeness with you in life? Would we not just bifurcate uh, spiritual things and real world things? God, you came into this world and redeemed it. And so we want to do the same because you're still doing that through your church. And we're so grateful that you would invite us into it. Jesus' name, amen.